be ready to re-emerge and tell the story we're living through right now. Hopefully also, how we got through it. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And today we're going to be hearing more from the Taipei Ladies. Well, actually, it's a platform. Uh, and I'm going to read from their mission statement. Uh, Taipei Ladies is to serve as an information exchange for women and to become a platform to discuss health and beauty services around town, as well as a place to support each other and connect with the local community of ladies. The aim of this group is to create a safe place for local and expat women to share inquiries and personal experiences. And I was talking with uh, Jessica Turiziani and Carrie Kallenberger, who are expats in Taiwan. And they were talking about just, you know, what things uh, Taipei Ladies has to offer, uh, such as people who haven't arrived in Taiwan, um, questions about that. And after they arrive in Taiwan, then they ask questions like, you know, uh, where can they get vegetarian food? Um, how, where can they get uh, plus-size clothes? And et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of information. So today we're going to continue from that. Just what more can you get from Taipei Ladies? You know, um, Jessica showed me like the front page to, um, I guess, uh, your group on Facebook or somewhere. And I mm -hmm. just only looked through it briefly. But the things that caught my eyes was that you guys talk about clothes, makeup, fashion, those kind of things. I said, whoa, what kind of group is this? You know, I got interested. So, the thing is, like we, like Carrie said, we cover everything. It, we don't really have topics that are off limits like I know some groups will say like you know you can't discuss this or this or this but we I I, I want to say like we'll allow almost anything as long as it's relevant to Taiwan obviously we're not going to have something that like some event that's going on in Hong Kong or something you know from like like Italy like we're not going to have that really because it's not relevant to to expats here but I mean we like we, we do have group rules. I don't know if I, if I sent you a copy of our group rules. I, I really feel like having these rules and clear guidelines really sets us apart, as, like sets Taipei ladies apart from the other expat groups in Taiwan. But we have a great admin team. So there's yes. six of us. And I think that's also key to running the group really well. I think a lot of other expat groups, I'm not in other uh, Taiwan expat groups either for the same reason Jess is. 
it's just, uh, it seems like there's too much drama in the other groups. For our group, uh, I don't feel that there's a whole lot of drama and our admin team is really strong. There's six of us. So there's always somebody on the page uh, making sure that everybody's kind of staying within the guidelines and um, somebody's always watching new topics that are coming through and watching the comments and keeping a close eye on things. And Does that mean that there's somebody there 24-7? No. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty mm. I mean, we, we are humans. Okay. We are human. We, we do sleep, you know, at night. So I wouldn't say we're there 24 seven, but we are there as much as we can be to do this job that we, we, again, do this for free. Like we don't make money. This isn't any kind of job that we get paid for, but we do our best to manage the group. And, you know, sometimes like, I know this has happened to me, like, um, for example, I wrote like, Hey guys, I just deleted this comment. Um, if the poster like messages anyone, like I'm, I'm running into class, I'll be busy for the next few hours just to let you guys know. Um, cause we, we also have like our own little admin group to discuss things like that. And that way, if I'm not available to handle it, like, or like if I was talking to someone and I'm not available anymore, I say, Hey, Carrie, um, I'm, you know, just to make you aware of this situation, this happened. If, if someone wants to talk to you about it, you know, what's going on. So for the most part, we are not on call 24 seven, but if we wanted to be there like at two in the morning, if someone can't sleep and I'm just going to scroll through my Facebook, I will be there. But as a rule, like we do have you know, outside lives. (laughs) (laughs) Is this considered a closed group then? Yes. Wow, 2,000 some people. Now, I'm curious, um, what would be the reasons that townies locals want to be in this group? To meet other women. Okay. Um, Of course. To meet other women, to practice their English, um, just to get information, maybe to offer information. Uh, We've got a lot of business women in the group that um, like to talk about the services that they offer. So we've got estheticians, we've got hairstylists, uh, we've got yoga instructors like Jess, uh, we've got people that offer all sorts of interesting, look, my cat's just opened the door, sorry. Um, but yeah, we've got we've got women in the group from uh, all avenues of life, and uh, they get a chance to talk about what they do. Uh, we've got journalists in the group, uh, writers, uh, school owners. So it's just a great place for women to connect in, to talk a little bit more about what they do, uh, maybe to get some support. We have handled some um, some harder topics over the last couple of years. So uh, every once in a blue moon, we we have a woman that maybe comes through in distress. Uh, maybe there's been some sort of a domestic violence incident at home and she needs a little bit of support um, or you know, maybe a medical situation pops up where somebody needs some support or needs some help at the hospital. So we do have a, it's like a guide uh, of notes that we've attached to the group that offer resources uh, for where you can go if you need help or if you need an advocate for a specific um, situation. So a lot of people are interested in that as well, or just find that it's a little bit safer knowing that they have those resources there in English. Well, that sounds like you guys cover a whole lot of uh, assistance in all aspects. I mean, you guys become experts then. I mean, whether it's psychological need or mental needs or physical needs, of course, you know, I mean, emotional needs. 
I don't know if I'm an expert. I'm just always happy to hold somebody's hand if they need me. So do you guys have like set places that you guys do meet? I mean, in person? I'll talk a little bit about events because I mean, we've always done like a casual, hey, if anyone wants to meet up for coffee or if anyone's free for lunch. But I, when I went to the Middle East a few years ago with my husband, I felt extremely isolated in my community because there wasn't a group like this. So when I came back after a year, I like, I made it my mission that, that I don't ever want anyone else to feel like that again. Anyone new in town, no. You have this group, you have a meetup. We, we try. Now this is, you know, pre-coronavirus. We try to do something once a month, whether it's a lunch meetup or some kind of clothing swap or maybe a book swap or just a coffee in the park something we we want to have events and the members like them they really really do because honestly it's it takes a lot of effort to arrange an event okay so i know sometimes we'll see members like hey who wants to meet up on saturday and it's like oh i do i do well what time are you free well i'm free at this time well how about you what about this place no with our events i will say okay we're gonna have an event you can choose this day or you can choose this day which day would you like the event? And then whichever one has more events. Okay, Saturday. Saturday at one o'clock, we're going to go to a restaurant. Now, here are some restaurants. Which one would you like? The one with the most votes gets it. And then I book the restaurant. We go there. We have a good time. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lynn. Being in this group, how has it made you guys appreciate Taiwan even more? That's a, Is that a difficult question? I don't know. Difficult. I'm um, just going to throw it out. Suggestions that come through in the group now that I don't know about. Uh, but I do love hearing from new people in the group saying, hey, should, what should I do this weekend? And then there's like 101 answers that come through that are like, oh, you should go to this place or you should check out this place. So it's always interesting to see what other people are recommending that we do here. And I, li- I love those conversations. Um, actually, I'll mention this because it's sweet and it's nice. Um, we have a, new, a newish member that's here and she asked where to get a birthday cake last week. And I'm pretty sure her birthday is tomorrow. Her name's Sydney. So happy birthday, Sydney. Um, anyways, last week she, she asked about uh, where to get a birthday cake. And the, the conversation that went on about where to get the best cake in Taiwan. <laughs> we must have had like, oh gosh, we had so many answers. And people were like polling and then it was coming through and you're like, oh, I'm going to save this whole post and then we're just going to eat our way through it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's, you know, sometimes you hear about things in Taiwan that you didn't know about, or maybe you, you hear about somebody who's launched a new business that you want to get involved in, or uh, you hear about a charity group. Uh, I love hearing about the, um, the animal rescue groups in, the, in our group. Um, we have quite a few of them that are rescuing animals from the streets here. That's always interesting, and it's nice to see women step up and say, hey, I can foster this cat, or I'll adopt that dog. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just such a wide range of things coming through all the time, and it's I'd say almost all of it's really positive and really supportive. So I keep saying it's a really great group, uh, and I'm just going to continue saying that it really is my favorite group in Taiwan. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. Okay, and Jessica, 
Um, I will absolutely agree with everything that Carrie said. I, I actually just looked up that cake post and there are 58 <laughs> comments about where to buy a cake. 58 suggestions for you, Shirley, about a place that you can go and get a good cake in Taiwan. Yeah. That's, that's great. Like, it's, it's like that. If you're looking for something or you need something, the outpouring of support from the group, whether it's just, you know, something simple, like where can I find a certain type of nuts? I need some nuts. Where's the best place to get nuts? It, it just makes me happy to see other women like caring so much. And, you know, we, like we, as the admin team, we see every single post before it's in the group. Like we approve everything. So if it's, you know, not really relevant, we might not approve it, but if it is, and then because we've all been here for so long, generally we know, oh, you can go here or you can go here. So I just, I'll approve a post and then immediately comment, hey, I know this person, she goes to this shop to buy this, this item, maybe you can try there. Or if that doesn't work, there's this shop over here. It just makes me very happy that because I've lived here for so long, this is my way of giving back. You know, because I was once this girl that had just gotten off the airplane, I had no idea where to buy anything or where to go, what to do. And I didn't have this group when I first got here. I, I don't know if it was even around. If it was, I definitely wasn't in it, but it would have made such a difference. And now that I'm just, I'm very happy because Taiwan has been so good to me. I've had a great life here. You know, I got married here. I enjoy myself. Like I live comfortably. I work hard, but I, I live comfortably. And having this group here just makes it a little bit nicer. And on top of an already great life, having this support and knowing that, you know, if I'm, if I want to have coffee on a Saturday afternoon, there are 2000 other girls in Taipei that also might want to meet up. So it's almost like if you need someone, you, you can easily find someone to just spend a couple hours with. Like, really, I've seen posts like that. If you're commenting like, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit homesick. Does anyone want to just take a walk? You'll have 25 girls. Meet me. I'll meet you. I'll meet you right now. Like I, it's fine. And for me, that just, that makes me very happy. Oh, that's great. Let, let's say somebody, um, after hearing you today, want to join a group. How do they go about doing that? You want to promote yourself, your group now. This is your time. Type in ladies. <laughs> um, we're pretty easy to find. I think you could just type in type. We're not closed. We're not secret right now. We're closed, but searchable. Got it. So just type in type in ladies. On Facebook, yeah. Type, type in ladies. ladies. Okay. Answer the membership questions. Because if you don't answer the questions, you will not get into the group. Got it. Okay. You should well, have a profile that's older than a year. So yes. that's the other thing is we don't let people in that have started a new profile on Facebook. We did have a troll problem a while ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so now Facebook accounts, uh, people that are joining the group, the accounts have to be mature. Uh, so they need to be at least a year to 18 months old and have content on their page in order to join the group. And that's just a safety rule that keeps all the women in the group safe. Well, thank you so much. It's really been a lot of fun learning so much about Taipei ladies and what you guys are offering. And it's really awesome what you guys are doing. And I can see why you guys love staying in this group and keeping this group and keeping it healthy and good. And it's for the good of a lot of people in Taiwan and as well as people who eventually might join, you know, come to Taiwan or something. Thank you so much. You, Keep Shirley. it up. Thanks for having us. Thank you yeah, for having thanks. us.
Classic Shorts: Stories from Chinese History and Literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Meng Haoran was an older contemporary of many of the great poets of the Tang Dynasty. He had a big influence on many of the famous Tang Dynasty poets because of his love for nature and his works about it. He was born in Xiangyang, which is south of the Han River, and in the modern province of Hubei. He loved the area, and his works are filled with sentiments about its scenery. He had a very brief civil service career that began at age 39. An anecdote and one of his poems could explain the reason why. The new book of Tang describes an incident where he was granted an audience with the Emperor Xuanzong. That's because he was recommended by his good friend, the famous poet Wang Wei. Meng recited poetry to the emperor, but one line upset the emperor. Meng said, quote, "The untalented, the wise lord discards." The emperor interpreted this as a sarcastic complaint for not employing him sooner in the imperial government, so he sent him away from the palace. Now let's get to his poetry. He wrote much about the area where he lived, Xiangyang. Here's one of his poignant poems about missing his hometown. This poem is called "Memories in Early Winter." South go the wild geese, for leaves are now falling, and the water is cold with the wind from the north. I remember my home, but the Xiang River's curves. Are walled by the clouds of the southern country. I go forward, I weep, till my tears are spent. I see a sail in the far sky. Where is the ferry? Will somebody tell me? It's growing rough. It's growing dark. This poem was written during his time at a temple retreat. It's called "A Spring Morning." I wake light-hearted this morning of spring. Everywhere around me, the singing of birds. But now I remember the night. The storm, and I wonder how many blossoms were broken. Here's another translation of this beautiful poem, "A Spring Morning." Spring, I am half asleep, and do not feel the dawn. But everywhere, blackbirds are crying. Last night, I heard the howling wind and rain. Do you know how many blossoms fell?
And here's one about his friendship with Wang Wei, his friend who brought him to see the emperor. It's called Taking Leave of Wang Wei. I've waited day after day till now I must go how sweet the roadside flowers might be if they did not mean goodbye old friend the lords of the realm are harsh to us and men of affairs are not our kind I will turn back home I will say no more I will close the gate of my old garden a poem that Wang Wei wrote about Meng. It's called Tears from Meng Haoran. Not able to see my old friend, Han River continually flows to the east. Ask the old people of Xiangyang, river and mountains, empty at Taizhou. Those are poems from the life of Meng Haoran, one of the great Tang Dynasty poets. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. President Tsai Ing-wen was inaugurated for the second term last week. At the inauguration ceremony, Tsai praised the people's resilience and solidarity in the fight against COVID-19. President Tsai Ing-wen was sworn in for her second term at the presidential office. In January, she was re-elected with 57% of the votes. But inaugural events were scaled down due to the pandemic. 
In her inaugural address, President Tsai highlighted Taiwan's world-class capabilities in producing medical supplies and working to develop a vaccine during this pandemic. The government will continue to support these industries so that Taiwan can be a key source of strength in overcoming global outbreaks. Tsai also plans to strengthen Taiwan's aerospace and renewable energy industries. She believes Taiwan can reach its goal of increasing green energy to 20 percent of its energy profile by 2025. There was no banquet for this year's inauguration, and only 200 people attended the address at the Taipei Guest House. Guests included city and county leaders, foreign representatives, cabinet officials, and the National Epidemic Prevention Team. Tsai said the world already sees Taiwan as a democratic success story. She said Taiwan will continue working to participate in international organizations and strengthen partnerships with like-minded countries. As for relations with China, Tsai said cross-strait ties should be built on the principles of peace, parity, democracy and dialogue. President Tsai said the legislature will form a constitutional reform committee to discuss amendments to the Constitution and human rights issues. Lowering the voting age from 20 to 18 will be a priority issue on the agenda. Tsai thanked the people of Taiwan for working together to fight COVID-19. She said Taiwan's success has fostered a sense of national pride and solidarity that will live on in people's hearts. Taiwan is populated by kind and resilient people, she said. We can always count on our democracy and solidarity to weather difficult times. Natalie So, RTI News. Former Vice President Chen Jianren, a well-known epidemiologist, returned to academia after stepping down. Last week, outgoing Vice President Chen Jianren talked with the media at the presidential office about his mood before leaving office. Chen said the best gift he has received before his departure has been Taiwan's successful containment of COVID-19. Chen also said neither fame nor money can compare with the joy and excitement of a breakthrough in scientific research, the work he has become known for outside of his political career. Chen is entitled to receive a monthly stipend of 6,000 U.S. dollars and other benefits like an office, staff, and fees for medical care after stepping down. However, he has declined these payments and perks, making him the first vice president in Taiwan's history to do so. Former vice cabinet spokeswoman Kolas Yotaka became Taiwan's first female presidential office spokesperson in President Tsai Ing-wen's second term. The glass ceiling is breaking in Taiwan politics. Not only is Taiwan inaugurating its first female president, Tsai Ing-wen, to a second term, 42 percent of its lawmakers are women, and the new presidential office spokesperson is Kola Shutaka, the first woman to hold the job. She has served as the Democratic Progressive Party spokesperson, the executive Yuan spokesperson, the party, the cabinet, and now the presidential office, she says. This is like being in a triathlon. No one else has broken this glass ceiling. Yotaka is an Amis Taiwanese politician who was a legislator and a Taiwan indigenous television anchorwoman. Natalie So, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound.
In today's program, we also have two heartwarming stories. RTI recently had a part in helping a Taiwanese high school student reconnect with her second mother, who is from Indonesia. This was an Indonesian caregiver who had been working on a contract in Taiwan. Student Xu Zihan recently visited RTI Studios for an interview about her recent search for her Indonesian second mother, Dwi. Dwi was Xu's caregiver from the time she was born until she was four. Dwi then returned to Indonesia after her contract expired. She was one of the many migrant workers from Southeast Asian countries who come to Taiwan on three-year contracts. Their jobs vary from factory work to caring for senior citizens. The last time Xu saw Dwi was 15 years ago. She had since tried looking for Dwi, but to no avail. Finally, in April, Xu became worried about how Dwi was doing amid the COVID-19 pandemic and decided on one more search. She enlisted the help of RTS Indonesian service in Indonesian media and located her former caregiver in just two days. They had a tearful virtual reunion on Mother's Day this past Sunday. Liao Yunzhang, the director of a Taipei-based magazine, was among those who took part in the search effort. Liao says that most foreign workers end up being forgotten once their contract is up in Taiwan and they return to their home countries. The story of Xu Zihan and Dui is a heartwarming counterexample. Shirley Lin, RTI News. A 106-year-old man has set a record as the oldest person to paraglide in Taiwan. The man Yo De Xing turned heads for his daring feat and strong spirit. Prepare for liftoff. 106-year-old Yo De Xing takes to the skies. With the guidance of a coach, Yo is paragliding. He's a little nervous at first, saying a little prayer in the air. But after a while, Yo is absolutely loving the experience. Cautious prayers turn into joyous hymns, and Yo even raises his hands and legs as he flies through the sky. Just look at him go. After 10 minutes, Yo and his coach come in for a bit of a rough landing, but he's a-okay. And he's just set the record as the oldest man to ever paraglide in Taiwan, but not without getting the go-ahead from medical experts first. Yo says that it was amazing to be able to see such an expansive view. He said that he witnessed the glory of God's creation and that it was beautiful. Grandpa Yo's 10-minute flight is more proof than ever that age is just a number. Leslie Liao, RTI News. For migrant workers in northern Taiwan, Sundays have long meant festive gatherings in the grand lobby of Taipei Main Station. Migrant workers stake out a spot on the station lobby's floor and sit down to socialize with one another. The decision to temporarily ban these gatherings in an effort to stop COVID-19 didn't cause much of a stir. But now controversy has erupted over talk of banning the gatherings permanently, even after the risk of COVID-19 is passed. Before COVID-19, you could expect to see as many as 10,000 migrant workers sit on the floor of Taipei Main Station every Sunday. They would set down mats and sit in groups, chatting, sharing food, and enjoying the one day of the week they get off work. However, they have not been able to do so recently due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Some Muslim migrant workers worry that this could mean they will have nowhere to go once Ramadan ends. There is even the possibility that migrant workers won't be allowed back onto the lobby floor once COVID-19 subsides. 
Hesti, deputy head of the global workers' organization Taiwan, says that migrant workers want to spend time with one another on their rare days off. She says she hopes Taiwan's government will arrange an alternative indoor spot for them to meet up if the move to keep them off the station floor goes ahead. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And that's what we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. RTI news, programs, pictures, and more online at english.rti.org.tw. Check it out. I noticed the biggest difference in the subway system. Um, so I did actually read an article about the subway in Taiwan because I was so impressed with how efficient it is in Taiwan. In New York, you could never rely on a schedule. So if you had to be at a meeting at a certain time, you usually had to leave 30 to 40 minutes in advance just to make sure you would catch a train on time. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Ms. Martha Soren is a freelance writer for Bustle, Refinery29, and Insider. She has written a few articles about the lifestyle in Taiwan, including McDonald's in Taiwan, as well as the recently published 7-Eleven in Taiwan. Last year, her article on the subway in Taiwan attracted quite a lot of attention. She compares the metro system in Taiwan with the one in New York City, a city she once had lived for seven years. Apart from punctuality, she likes the cleanliness and the safety of the metro in Taipei. By safety, she refers to both her personal safety and the safety of the metro system. When comparing 7-Eleven convenience stores to the ones in the U.S., she points out that a 7-Eleven in Taiwan functions more than just a convenience store we know. So how unique are they? Let's hear from Martha Soren herself who joined us on the phone all the way from California, USA. Martha, two articles you wrote about Taipei aroused the interest of those who want to know more about the lifestyle in Taiwan. Now, we first start with the latest article you wrote about 7-Eleven in Taiwan. What inspired you to write such a common topic such as 7-Eleven? Well, when I visited Taiwan, I was so impressed with how clean the stores were and how much they had to offer compared to America, where you kind of only go to a 7-Eleven if you're desperate. You know, you're on the road, you're taking a trip, you really need to go to the bathroom or you really need a snack. Uh, but in Taiwan, it's kind of a destination. You choose to go there. And I thought that was really interesting. So in the U.S., you're saying that it's the last place you want to be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you compared 7-Eleven in Taiwan to that in New York City, a city that you had lived for seven years. Now, what are some of the big differences? Well, I think in New York, um, particularly, I noticed the biggest difference in the subway system. Um, so I did actually read an article 
about the subway in Taiwan because I was so impressed with how efficient it is in Taiwan. In New York, you could never rely on a schedule. So if you had to be uh, at a meeting at a certain time, you usually had to leave 30 to 40 minutes in advance just to make sure you would catch a train on time to make it to where you needed to be. Mm -hmm. That's about the metro, um, when you try to compare the metro system here in Taipei and that in New York, about the punctuality. Um, The punctuality rate, as we know, um, of the metro system in Taipei has been rated uh, uh, by media agency here in Taiwan as one of the best. Could you talk about that as well? Yeah, so... um... The media has has declared uh, that Taipei has or Taiwan has the um, nearly hundred percent punctuality rate for their trains versus in New York uh, they're late fifty percent of the time, and so it's and it's, it's uh, it has an improvement of fifty percent over the subways I'm used to taking. Uh, would you say that probably a lot of people say that because the metro system is in Taipei or in Taiwan generally speaking is much newer than uh, the one in New York City, which is uh, 100 years old. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Taipei had the chance to kind of see what other places had done wrong and fix them when they made their uh, subway system in, I think it was the 90s, I believe. Um, So everything is much more modern. You know, it's it's a tap system where you have the little, like, credit card and you just tap it to get in. Um, in New York, you have to swipe a card and you have to do it at the right speed or it doesn't register. Um, so everything runs a little bit smoother and it's a little bit cleaner because it, it is newer. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the uh, unique features if you have to describe to our uh, listeners about the metro system um, in Taipei? Uh, yeah, the metro. I think, uh, you know, I was really impressed by how nobody eats or drinks anything on the train uh, in Taipei because... The New York subway system is pretty dirty. Um, there's, you know, trash people throw into the train tracks, which can cause track fires, and that can slow things down. Um, and then, you know, people aren't throwing their trash away in the trash bins. So everything is a little bit kind of covered in like a layer of, of dirt, whereas in uh, Taiwan, everyone is very respectful. They don't eat or drink on the subway to keep everything clean for everyone. And then I also really like that they have um, priority seating, for, uh, you know, pregnant people or people who are a little bit older or have a disability in Taipei. Um, So they can be guaranteed to get a seat. And people are really respectful of making sure that they don't sit in those seats if they don't need them. Talking about priority seats, the government actually has been trying to encourage people, you know, even uh, those who do not need the priority seats may actually, you know, sit down. Uh, but then give away the priority seats to those who are in need. But um, here in Taipei, basically, if you see a priority seat, even though it's empty, nobody dares to sit down. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, my brother lives in Taiwan, and he says that sometimes if someone will, uh, people will kind of give them a look to, to show them, no, you can't sit there. Usually it's a tourist who maybe doesn't know. <laughs> what is your really first impression of the metro in Taipei when you first uh, try to ride it? Well, so coming from New York, it's definitely um, sometimes a little bit of an unsafe experience, especially at night, um, because they don't always have, you know, your cell phone doesn't always work down there. And so you're always a little bit nervous, um, I, especially as a woman. I was always feeling super safe taking the New York subway, but I never felt unsafe in Taiwan. Um, you know, you have good self-service the whole time. 
uh, it's very clean and, and bright and airy. So you don't feel like you're in a dark little corner or anything. So I was just impressed by how safe I felt taking it and also how easy it was to navigate. You know, I'm not from Taipei. I don't speak uh, Mandarin, but I was able to navigate very easily using all the signs. So that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And one other feature, I think um, maybe this is a way of life here in Taipei. When people try to get into the train, they have to, I mean, not they have to, but, you know, most people line up uh, to get in. And Pe- they do not do that in New York. There were so many times that I had to shove my way onto a train in New York just to make sure I could get in. Everyone was packed. There was no system. So I love that there are even little Uh, you know, they have like tape on the ground in Taipei to, to make sure that you're standing where you should so you can let people off easily and then, and then board the train easily. You're listening to On The Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Today I'm speaking with Ms. Martha Soren, a freelance writer for Bustle, Refinery29 and Insider. Earlier, you mentioned about uh, eating and drinking because I think eating and drinking or eating or drinking is not allowed within perimeter of, uh, of the metro station, which is why here in Taipei or in Taiwan, in Kaohsiung City, for example, so people do not drink or eat inside the train. Yeah. Now, back to 7-Eleven that you mentioned earlier, I remember reading the part where you talked about brood tea eggs. Do you think that these eggs are unusual because, uh, you know, a lot of people might be frightened by the appearance? Yeah, I think that, you know, if you don't know what they are, um, a little bit, the eggs have gone have gone bad or moldy, especially because they're a little bit cracked and you're not sure if they're safe to eat, um, which is actually why I wanted to highlight them in my article because I wanted people to know they're supposed to look like this. And they are very tasty on the inside, even if their appearance is a little bit unusual. Yes, as I think um, most of my friends from abroad, when they come to Taiwan, when I tell them to try to taste uh, this uh, brood tea eggs, uh, they say, no, no, no. But once they taste it, they like it. What is unique about 7-Eleven stores or even Japanese franchise family mart here in Taiwan is that they have special machines that are quite multifunctional. Now, could you talk about this from the point of a tourist and a rider? Yeah, so I was really impressed with the machines. Um, you know, most gas stations or like 7-Elevens in America have ATMs, but that's about it, where you can take money out. Um, but I noticed that uh, the one, the 7-Elevens in Taipei, they have machines where you can buy train tickets um, to leave the city, and you can also buy metro cards um, and have them loaded at 7-Eleven. Uh, versus just buying them in the station. Um, and then also I even saw a photocopy machine and a printer so you can kind of take care of any of those business needs. Um, and then they have, of course, the storage lock boxes for your packages to be delivered so you can make sure nothing gets stolen from your home or taken or that your package is safe. So it really is, you know, it's not just a place where you get a snack or you take some money out. It's really a destination where you can kind of get a lot of your errands done all in one so you don't have to go to seven different places to do your printing, to get your train ticket, to get your metro card, etc. So basically everything that you need can be done in a 7-Eleven or in a family mart. Yeah. Do they provide delivery service at a uh, 7-Eleven in New York City? Um, I think some of them do. I've never used it uh, just because, you know, when people want to get delivery 
in the city, there's so many options um, that you would kind of never choose 7-Eleven. Um, so, yeah, I've never used it. If they do have it, I'm not sure. Yeah, these convenience stores recently especially also serve as a collection point for people who want to buy masks and have ordered online. Now, you talked about the dining area and also the giveaway stickers. Could you elaborate on that? Yes. Yeah, so um, because it's not really a destination point in the U.S. to go to 7-Eleven, you pretty much just get your food and leave. If you are getting snacks there, uh, you would never really stay and to kind of eat there. But I found in Taipei, um, not only are the dining areas very clean and friendly and you want to sit there, but some of them offer free Wi-Fi so you can get work done if you need to. Um, maybe you can have uh, a job interview there. So it's really a space that it feels inviting for you to use. And then the stickers were one of my favorite parts of Taiwan because it's just, you know, we have nothing comparable to that here in America. And it was so fun to be buying something I was going to buy anyway. And then you get a little sticker um, to put in a little booklet. And when you collect enough stickers, you can trade them in for a prize. And so you're just buying stuff you would anyway, but then you kind of get this bonus thing on top of it, which is really fun. Mm, talking about prize, I think you can also trade them in for uh, buy one, get one free uh, Starbucks coffee as well. <laughs> Oh, really? That's yes. Cool. And uh, um, Martha, I, I know that uh, you have written a few articles about normally the lifestyle in Taiwan. You talked about McDonald's before. You compare McDonald's here in Taiwan and in New York and Japan. And you uh, wrote about 7-Eleven and also the metro system in Taiwan. What inspired you to write all these articles? Well, I just think it's so... I think Taipei is a place that from my experience, most people haven't heard of or haven't thought of traveling to. But I enjoyed my time there so much that I kind of wanted to share a little bit of what life is like there so that maybe Americans will consider it as a, as a place to go visit. Because um, it does have a lot of unique offerings, but it also at the same time does have things that are familiar to Americans. So, you know, they can go and they can try McDonald's, which we're very used to in America, but it's a little bit different in Taiwan. So that's kind of fun. And I just wanted people to kind of see how cool of a place Taiwan is and, you know, maybe give it give it an option for a future travel. Mm -hmm. And what do you hope to write about in the future if there is something about Taiwan? Well, I actually have another article in the works. I uh, ate Pizza Hut in Taiwan for Chinese New Year. Um, which my brother said is a big tradition there to get pizza for Chinese New Year. So I tried a couple of the unique pizzas that Taiwan has that uh, we don't serve at Pizza Hut here. Um, and so I'm pretty excited for that one to go up. I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is, but that was really fun to, to try all of those different things and write about them. Mm -hmm. And if you really like uh, to read more about Martha Soren's articles, please visit her website. It's www.mathasaren.com. Martha is spelled as M-A-R-T-H-A. Saren is S-O-R-R-E-N. And you'll be able to find out her next article about pizza in Taiwan. As this interview was done much earlier, and actually her article on what is Pizza Hut like in Taiwan from menu to delivery was published in early May. And we've been joined on the phone all the way from California 
by Ms. Mata Soren, a freelance writer for Bustle, Refinery29, and Insider. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.